Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Okay, so we're going to jump in to our message today. We, we in, we're going, we got three more weeks of this sermon series, Axiom, where we're going through um, teachings of Christ, just, just really kind of one-off every week, different 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 teachings of Christ. This week is kind of a follow-up to last week because it's actually the next part of Scripture after what we talked about last week. Some of you haven't opened up your YouVersion Bible app yet, so you don't know what we're talking about. So just to kind of open up your mind, I want to give you a, a, a riddle, and I want you to guess what we're talking about. If you already know because you looked at the YouVersion, don't yell it out and ruin it for everybody else. Okay, like just pretend like you don't know and let us have some fun for a sec. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I have older kids and I'll ask Harrison like, hey, what's 12 plus 12? And my 16 year old will be like, 24. I'm like, dude, we know that. You've known that. Like I'm trying to teach him. So don't be that person where you already looked and you ruin it, right? So just listen to the riddle. Invisible yet heavy, it clouds your mind. A constant companion, never easy to unwind. It thrives on what ifs and futures unknown. In a crazy moment, its seeds of chaos are sown. What am I that preys upon your peace, a mental battle that doesn't seem to cease? Anybody know? Come on, yell it out to me. Anxiety, fear, worry, stress. Just so you know, I didn't write that riddle. I asked chat to write it for me. That was the best that she could do. Worry. Any chronic worriers in this place? You don't have to put your hand up, right? So. <laughs> worry. What do we worry about? Worry about our health. Anybody ever worry about your health? Every time you have anything wrong with you, you go to the internet. It's always something bad. Health. Finances. <laughs> worry about money relationships, our jobs, our careers, um, our academic performance. Some, some of us starting school, we're going into like the, the grades that matter. 11th grade, 12th grade. I remember those, those years. I, I, don't, I didn't ever stress out because I wasn't good at school, but some of you <laughs> will. And like I, have, I had friends, they were stressed. Like every test was like do or die. What are they going to get? I had a friend that was trying to get into Johns Hopkins, Right? I was like, I'm trying to go to Sagu. What's that? The Southwestern Assemblies of God University. It's not a college. Don't get it wrong. What's the acceptance? Are you breathing? You get in. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get into Johns Hopkins. You got to be top of your grade, certain GPS, all these activities, right? The stress, <laughs> all right? GP, you see what I mean? <laughs> I don't care about school, right? And so you can stick with me. Some of you are like, this is not the church for me. Okay, you're stuck. 30 minutes, right? Future uncertainties. Safety. Let me just, aging immortality. Anybody else getting older? I, I'm worried about it. Like some of you are like, I'm not getting older. Just, just last two weeks ago, I'm like, I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to shave my head. I'm, I'm going to look younger if I shave my head. So I got up on the stage and these lights shone on my head that is thinning. I'm like, I'm not going to shave my head ever again. Okay, so 
right? I've been like putting stuff in my hair. Well, what do you got for thickening, right? Makeup, you can make it look darker. And I'm like, I'm never going to do it. And so you're aging and you're just worried about it. Like I'm worried about the way that I feel, worried about your appearance, worried about your regrets. We just are chronic worriers, chronic stress, stress, stressed out people, people that are constantly thinking about the what ifs of life. Anybody a what if person? Thinking about seven years from now. What if this happens? What if this doesn't work out? Worry. Now, I'm a parent, and so one of the things I'm trying to teach my kids is don't be wasteful. Don't be a wasteful person. Don't be a person who wastes resources. God can't bless that, right? And so I'm always in my house. What am I telling them? When you walk outside, shut the what? Can you just, if you opened it, can you just shut it? (laughs) Just shut the door, right? I'm always, shut the door. I'm telling my kids, you turn the water. When you're done with it, turn the water. Just turn it off. Just just turn the water off. You're done with it, right? Turn the water off. If If you're done in the room, when you walk out of the room, for the love of everything holy, what did you do? Why? If you open the refrigerator door and you're done, shut it. Take, for me, my family, I have three boys, so I don't know if your family's like this, but we have a big basket with sports stuff in it in the garage, and they take it out, and they take their basketball out, and their football's out, and everything else, and then they're done with it. What do they do? They're, they're literally trying to put me in an insane asylum, I'm telling you. I'm like, put, why? Because it's not physically responsible. The elements are going to ruin your ball. Your basketball won't bounce, and your football won't be good, and you're going to tell me I don't have this, and I need this to practice, and I'm going to tell you, you haven't taken care of it. If we buy pizza... Don't tell me you're done if the crust is still sitting there. I can't raise a boy like that. You're going to go to somebody's house someday in Pennsylvania, and they're going to get pizza, and you're only going to eat half the pizza, and they're going to judge my parenting. Eat the entire pizza. Eat the pizza. Eat the, be fiscally responsible. Don't be wasteful. So here's, here's the heart of this message, the heart of this message. When you talk about worry, talk about stress, talk about anxiety, The heart of it is, is biblically, axiom number seven, the truth from Christ, is is worry is an absolute waste. Now look, some of you Christianizing it and you're like, what about concerns? (laughs) I'm just a concerned person. I'm concerned with God, Godding in my life, right? Like, I don't know if he'll do a good enough job. I don't know if he'll open the right doors. I have some concerns. Let's just not do that today. Let's just, let's just be black and white people, right? And let's just call it what it is, worry, stress, anxiety. Worry is an absolute waste. And I don't want to offend you and get you mad, but, but I just if somebody was stealing something from you and you find out they're stealing something from you, you'd be mad, right? So like, let me give you... We, we're in this building. We have, we, have, we have a mortgage. We have electric. We have gas. We pay that. Whatever you're in, we pay for the gas and the electric. Everything out in the hallway, in the parking lot, the bathrooms out there, that's a shared space. So we pay our mortgage. We pay our own electric. We pay our gas. And then we pay a per square footage of space owned camp fee. Some of you know this. You live in a place with a camp fee. And that covers electric out there and water out there and parking and plowing and all those things. It's a very, uh, um, it's down to the core. You own this much. Here's how much you pay, you know it. And so a few months back, probably seven, eight months ago, I started noticing our personal electric bill and our personal gas bill started skyrocketing. 
And I was like, what's going on? We went back like six months. It like started like, it was like six months. Like it was a lot, a lot more money. Like I can't even tell you how much enough to notice, right? And I was like, why did it, why did it change right here? Then we went back before that. That's what you do, audit. Okay, it used to be this much and this much and this much. Okay, well, this is what we own. This is how hot it would be at this time. So why is it so much different? So then I called the building manager. I said, hey, I gotta ask you something. Our electric bill and our gas bill skyrocketed over the last six months, but I don't understand what happened. Could you check to make sure and confirm with me that we are not paying for the cam fee electric out of our own pocket after we already pay you cam fee. She went and she evaluated it, she saw it, she audited it, and she said, you've actually been paying for the entire hallways, electric and gas, for the last six months. She said, we owe your church $9,137.23, something like that, right? You know what I didn't say to her? You can keep it. <laughs> Just take it, it's a blessing, right? I said, I said, we want every cent that you owe us. Unapologetically give it back to us. You know, I wasn't like, you can have, and so, listen, worry is wasting your life. There's never been a moment where you spent the day worrying and woke up the next day and been like, you know what, I feel so refreshed. I'm so happy that I spent all that time worrying. I feel better about being stressed. I want you to get irritated at the fact that you struggle with it and then sit. Listen, if you don't know Christ, let me just, if you don't know Christ, you don't have a foundation of a belief that, that there's a God, he's in control, he sent his son to die on a cross for you, he proved his love through that sacrifice, he's with you, he's before you, he's behind you, he's in all things, he's in control. If you don't have that and you're living on this side of eternity in this world, you're going to worry. You see Maui burning up, and you see I, my newsfeed, Oregon's burning up, and Canada's burning up, and COVID's coming back, and people are getting sick again, and cancer's running rampant, and you can't trust anybody anywhere in the government. You don't even know what's going on. and all this, You're going to be stressed. If you don't know Christ, this message is going to be hard for you. You're like, well, I worry. But if you know Christ, if you have a solid foundation in your life, worry is an absolute waste. In fact, let me show you what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6. So remember last week I said, live for an audience of one. And uh, he said, don't tell people when you pray, don't tell people when you give, don't tell people when you fast, man. Fix your eyes on Jesus, live for an audience of one. It's really just a trust thing. So he follows up that teaching with some pretty significant teaching on worry. Now, these people are very normal. You've got to always understand the audience. They are uh, Jewish citizens waiting for God to relieve them of the oppression of the Roman Empire. They've been waiting 500 years, it's been pretty silent, for God to show up, to send the Messiah, to rescue them, to get what is theirs, to set up his kingdom. Like they are, they are in a stressful world. They're paying taxes to a government they don't like. They're being ruled by a government they don't like. Like they're, they have a lot of things to worry about, right? And so the point of this message is not do you have things to worry about, you do. That would be very naive of me to say you have nothing to worry about. Some of you have financial worries right now. Some of you have a, a health worry in your life. Somebody in your family has cancer. Somebody, in, in, a, a child is sick. They're struggling with something. Some of you have career worries. Some of you are worried about school. Some of you are worried about your marriage. The question is not do you have nothing to worry about. The Bible says that worry, though, is a waste. Watch what he says. Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. 
Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here's a great question. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can I just stop there? Do you believe you're valuable? That's an that's a important question. Because you worry and you're stressed and you have anxiety when it comes to your relationship with God because you're not quite sure and settled on the fact that you're valuable to him. You ever meet a young person and they struggle with Real, very, very real problems, cutting and depression and also, also giving their body away to other, 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 other young people. And you think to yourself, what's wrong with you? They don't know they're valuable. This is a really important question. It'll absolutely change your life. You ever meet a kid that thinks that they're valuable? Sometimes they drive you crazy. They're confident in their parents' love. Right? I, 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 seriously, a first children are usually well situated that they are valuable to their parents, right? Like, it's a first child problem. Sometimes I'm like, you think we love you too much. Because if you think that's all the discipline you're going to get for that and we're still cool with you, sometimes I'm like, can you just assume that maybe this will hurt the relationship? And he just assumes, and here's why, because he, he's like, I'm valuable, I'm the first child. Right? He used to cheer for me. We were talking about the other day. He was the only child that had two first-year-old first birthday parties. He had one in Oklahoma, and he had one in Pennsylvania. You think you're sending a kid the wrong message then? <laughs> my my mother-in-law invited her whole town, right? She lives in Oklahoma. That's like 45 people <laughs> to celebrate her. This is a really important question. It's, a, it's significant. Are, are, you, are you valuable? He says, can, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the, lily, the flowers in the, of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, yet I, I, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow was thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? That's important. The opposite of worry is faith. The opposite of faith is worry. You'll worry where you have the least amount of faith. Where you trust God least, you'll be the most stressed. It's a great revealer of where you're at. What it really says is, I don't know if I'm that valuable to God. So he says again, so do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the people without God, the pagans, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father already knows you need them. He already knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I love this promise. And all these things everybody else is stressing about will be added to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's what we got to establish. Because if you're not serious about it, right, if you lower the seriousness of it, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of breeze right through this message. So what he's trying to tell us is, listen, worry is a sin. We, we, we do well with the big sins. Lust, lying, okay, you're not supposed to lie. We do okay with that, right? Supposed to gossip, okay. 
When it comes to worry, we'll, we'll Christianize it, concern, something I struggle with, not a big deal, it's my problem, it's my, you know, my genetic makeup, my, my, you know, I'm, I, it's just running my family, it's what I struggle with. Instead of just saying to ourselves, and it, 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 it's really, it's, this is a sin. Anything that's not from God is a sin. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy 1, for the spirit God gives you when you find Christ does not make you timid, does not make you fearful, does not make you worry, but gives you power, love, and self-discipline. How is it a sin? Well, I think it's a sin because the first thing it does, it separates you. It separates you. Worry is a lack of trust. A lack of trust that you don't have in God will continually cause you to make decisions that ultimately would take you away from God's power and presence. I'm, I'll give you a scenario that I see all the time. I see young people coming to this church all the time, all sorts, oozing spiritual potential, oozing it. Like you see, man, if they would just stick close to what God wants to do in their life, uh, God would use their life in an incredible way. Like they, they, they got all sorts of potential, but they're single. For some reason in our culture, we think we're incomplete if we don't have somebody else. Right, if I, if I could just get somebody in my life and feel loved, you are loved, you are valuable, you don't need anybody else to tell you that. In fact, when you put that pressure on somebody else, good luck, you're gonna ruin them. Right, and so you're in this situation, you're following God, you're worrying, right, you've been saved for a while, you're looking around, all these married people in church, you're thinking to yourself, they're living life. Meanwhile, I'm just telling you, I'm their pastor, I hear about their marriage problems, all that stuff. Sometimes I just wanna tell you, you are blessed by being single. <laughs> Can I get it? I mean, sometimes it's like, why are you rushing into this? This is crazy. And you want that and you don't get it and you've been looking at church, you've been worshiping, looking around, pastors are just single people, I don't see any here. All, all of a sudden, you start rushing the process because you don't trust God and you meet somebody out one night. You go to a first Friday in Phoenixville, you see somebody, you don't even ask them if they go to church. It's like three dates in, you're like, hey, what's your faith? They're like, I don't have any. You're like, well, you're breathing, so it must be God's will in my life, right? And you keep dating them and you get in that relationship and all, all of a sudden, because you didn't trust God and you worried in that, in that area and you began to date somebody you shouldn't date. Because let me just tell you, if you're a Christian and you're trying to become all, all that God has called you to do, he will never call you to date somebody who doesn't know Christ. Let me just, not, not, not once, not twice, you're not, the, you're, not, you're not the different person. You're not called to be a missionary. Somebody's like, I'm just trying to be a missionary at Molly's, right? I'm just trying to go to Molly McGuire's. I'm just doing the Lord's work, right? Right, you studied St. Patrick this year. You're like, I'm just doing the Lord's work. No, no, he will never call you to that. But some of you still will, listen, and look, your lack of trust will actually cause separation in your relationship. You know what else it does? Why I think it's a sin is it steals from us. Steals our peace, steals our joy, steals our health. Like, you ever, you ever study, like, what actual stress and worry do to the physical body of a human? Causes heart problems, causes immune suppressions of problems, causes digestive problems, right? We're living in a culture, everybody has IBS and ABCD and all this stuff, right? And we don't know why. Our insides are twisted with fear. They're twisted with worry. 
causes sleep disturbance, you can't sleep, mentally it's impacting you, uh, your weight can, can change, right? It can go up and down because you're stressed, your skin changes. I don't know, I experienced this last year. Uh, Thanksgiving, we were getting, getting ready to go to Thanksgiving. We had come out of a year of this building project. Dust everywhere, stress everywhere, every day decisions having to be made, fear, we're gonna have enough money, all sorts of worry. I'd like to say I was walking in faith, but I was crumbling in worry. I was so stressed out. I was so tired. I was, I was, so, I was probably so filled with not just physical or, or, or spiritual toxins, but physical toxins at this point. And we go to Oklahoma, and uh, we drive across, and uh, we get to Oklahoma, and I start getting ready in the one morning. I look at my forehead. I'm like, why does my forehead look like a 13-year-old forehead? It started breaking out in acne. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I'm 42 years old. I told my wife what's going on, looked at it, and what I, what I found out is uh, it was like my body was coming down out of the stress of being around this situation, and it was pushing its way out. My stress, my worry, the tension, the toxins, pushing its way out to my forehead. As soon as the, the, the project got done and I stopped stressing out and I realized God will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail, and if he called you to it, he'll see you through it, and I actually started standing on the promises that I preach every week. My acne went away. Right? I'm telling you, there <laughs> sounds so so deep, right? And so <laughs> worry, worry's a waste. So I want to teach you how to live a worryless life. You're never gonna stop worrying totally, but I want you to live a worryless life. And I'll tell you, sometimes I preach on things and like I'm like, I probably shouldn't be preaching this, and I tell you, I struggle with this. That last season was the most worried I've been. I'm telling you, you can live a life where you very rarely deal with deep, dark depression and anxiety and worry. You can live a life of freedom. Some of you don't even believe it can happen. So let me just give you a few thoughts on how you can live a worryless life. Number one is this, worryless life. Uh, number one, this one's important. Do what God commands you to do. This is an important one. So here's the problem. I'm gonna give you this sermon. Like, yes, I wanna, I wanna worry less. Okay, well, I'm gonna give you some work. Well, I don't. I didn't sign up for that. I need you to give me some like, like theory, right? Or like knowledge. You should tell me. I need somebody to take this from me. I need, I need you to like give me height, right? Okay. Well, here, the first step in stepping out of a worry-filled life is to right now do the things that God has already told you to do that are causing you to worry and be stressed out about right now, right? So some of you, God's called you to obedience and your finances and you're stressed out about your finances and you're thinking, if I just drag my feet long enough, maybe God will change his mind. Here's the problem with God. His will doesn't shift or change. It's good, but it also stinks for you if you're trying to be your own boss. Because you think, if I just drag my feet long enough, maybe God will forget about this. And he says, no, you got to do what I've told you to do already, then you can move, move forward. And so there's areas of your life where you're stressed out and you're worried, but if you're honest, the reason you're stressed out and worried is because you haven't done what God has already asked you to do. So I'm not a dreaming person. I just don't dream a lot. So when I do dream, they usually something I want to pay attention to, right? And so uh, years for years, I've had the same reoccurring dream since college, right? And so it's, it's ceased over the last couple of years. I've, I've gained victory over it, but, but I had the same dream. And here was my dream. My dream was I was back in college. So you just heard me, my problems with school. And so, so it was really a nightmare. 
I was back in college. I was 22 years old. I was at the last semester of my school. I was getting ready to graduate, get married, all this stuff. And uh, I was a real idiot in school, just just be honest for a second. I barely tried. I uh, would start off with high aspirations every semester. I'm going to do 18 hours this semester. I'm going to graduate in four years. I'm not going to school to be a doctor. Can't take me six, right? I got to graduate in four. I'm going to take 18 hours. Every semester, I would take 18 hours. Every semester, I would drop two classes because the teacher sucked. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It was their fault. And I would graduate with 12 or, or, or pass with 12. Most of the time, barely passing. I get to the end of my senior year. I have one more semester. I need to take 27 hours to graduate. No lie. My parents are expecting me to graduate. Nobody's giving me freedom. I haven't told anybody I need to take 27 hours. Uh, graduation is coming up. I need to complete those hours. My in-laws are driving from, from Oklahoma. My parents are coming in from Pennsylvania. My, my future wife is there. I'm going to go on stage. I'm going to walk across there. But in my dream... I haven't done what I was supposed to do. I didn't finish my, my courses because the truth is I barely passed anyway. I barely, barely passed anyways. I barely tried. I don't even know how I graduated. I think they were just sick of me at this point, right? But in my dream, I don't finish the class. I don't turn the stuff in. I don't do that. And, and in my dream, I, my, my in-laws come, my parents come, my wife is standing, and I got to tell them. And that's when I wake up. I look at them in our chapel, and I can see it like it, and I wake up, and I, <gasps> why was I so stressed out? Why, why am I still having that dream? Because I barely did anything at school. So I was constantly stressed out. I'd be like, here's the syllab syllabus. Yeah, but I don't really think that's important. <laughs> here's books you should read, right? You should have these textbooks. They're $95. I think I could spend this money at Starbucks, right? So I was constantly stressed in school, but if the truth was school wasn't stressful, I was a fool. Some of you, you're so stressed out in life right now. You're so worried. You're so fearful. You're, 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 you're staying up at night. You're wondering what's going on. And God's saying, listen, I already gave you, I already gave you the, 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 the the answers. I already told you how to pass the test. I've already told you how to move forward. I, I've already told you how God and direct your steps. He tells us in, in Matthew 6, seek first God's kingdom and everything else will work out. But you're super stressed. Like, let me just give you an example. I started thinking about this because there's so many kids in this church. There's parents, you are stressed about the future of your kids. You're like, I want them to serve the Lord. I want them to do this. I want them to do that. And you're super stressed out. Here's why you're super stressed out. You have not yet aligned your life in a seek first the kingdom of God. You know how I know that? Because I asked them this week. I said, hey, how does the September schedule look like? Because our church is filled with athletes because that's a biblical church. I'm just telling you. And so filled with athletes and kids that are in sports and kids that are in things. I said, how does the blockout dates look? And they said it looks worse than the summer. Why does it look worse than the summer? Because we're athletes. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to freak out. I wish, I wish, I hope, I pray. I want my senior to know you. I want all this to go. And God's going to go, you're freaking out about something. That I've already told you what to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else you have planned for your kids will be added to their life through me. Amen. You're stressed because you're not doing what God has commanded you to do. So we can't move forward and go, okay, we got to deal with the big stuff until we first deal with the little stuff. In fact, watch what it says in James 1. Do not merely listen to the word. Man, every church member should hear this. Don't merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do 
what it says. I love that. Information doesn't do anything in your life. Information with obedience leads to transformation. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Here's two things you're going to do. Number one, you're going to think the right thoughts because you'll never do the right things till you think the right thoughts. The Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. That we're to take captive every thought and make it obedient to the truth of God. The problem with so many of you is you don't do the right things because you don't even know what the word says to do. So you're making it up on the fly. You have the word of God. It's living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It will never lead you astray. In fact, the Bible says those who follow God's perfect law, who love God's perfect law, will walk in, in peace. There is, there's the word of God that so many Christians don't read. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you want to begin to change how you think, you've got to change what you fill your mind with. So you're going to open up the Bible, right? However you do it, your app, your physical Bible, whatever. You're not just going to click a reading plan and read, a, read one verse and post it on your social media and tell everybody you read your Bible because Jesus said not to do that. We just talked about that last week. And so uh, you're going to open it up and you're going to look at that scripture and instead of just going right through it and skipping over to your social media or anything else you're doing, you're going to read it, right? And then you're going to take time. You're going to be by yourself. That's how you're going to do it. And then you're going to write it. There's power in writing the word of God. Just, just write it. Then, then as you, after you write it, you're going to, in your head, you're going to recite it. You're going to think it, right? Over and over and over again, you're going to recite it, right? What does the Bible say? Greater is he that lives in, in me than he lives in the world. What does the Bible say? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. What does the Bible say? I can do all things to Christ who gives me strength. All, all these things, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, Say it in my head. And then I'm going to get you a little crazy in here today. You guys are crazy, so you'll be fine. And so then you're going to confess it. You're going to say it out loud. You ever done that? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things, right? You're going to do something. You're like, I'm taking this test. I'm worried about it. I studied. I, you know, I always tell myself, man, you're so dumb. You're not going to pass this. You're not as smart as this person. You're not as, okay, but I can do, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to deal with that person. I got, you know, I can do all things through Christ. You're going to just begin to confess it. You're going to read it. You're going to write it. You're going to think it. Then you're going to confess it. And you know what starts to happen? You actually start to believe it. You actually start to believe it. It actually becomes natural. It's like learning a new language. Some of you, you have a wrong language, right? A wrong spiritual language. You speak negative over yourself. You speak lies. You speak what you've heard instead of what God has said. And so you're going to begin to think the right thoughts. And then you're going to do the next right thing, whatever it is. Some of you already know what it is. Just do the next right thing in your life. You're going to do what God's commanded you to do. Number two, number two, number two. This is really important. Living a worryless life. You're going to give to God what you cannot do. So, so there's things you can't do. I think this is actually proof that there's a God out there. There's things that happen in your life that are bigger than you. Did you know that? Can you fix cancer? You can, you can, you can listen to doctors and you can take things and you can eat healthier, but there's sometimes no matter what you do, cancer takes over. 
You can't overcome cancer sometimes. Can you fix a, uh, a loved one that's addicted to drugs? You, can, you want to, but you can't. Can you, can you fix your spouse? Come on. What can you? Husband, just elbow your wives and say, then stop it. You can't fix your spouse. There's things about your spouse that you can just not fix. Can, can you worry yourself into adding any time to your life? No. So there's going to be moments in your life where you do what God's told you to do, but you're still walking into something that you can't control. And in that moment, you're going to have to give to God what you cannot do on your own. And this is where it gets good. It gets simple. Some of you are like, I want something deeper, but I'm just going to give you simply what Scripture says. Watch what Scripture says in Philippians 4. And just before I bring this up, let me give you context. Because some of you are saying, you don't know about my life. You don't know what I'm worried about. You don't know how bad it is. Well, this dude, Paul, writes from a Roman prison where eventually he will stand before trial, in, before Nero, and be beheaded. And he knows that. He actually went back to Rome knowing he would be arrested and, and killed. Like they told him, don't go back. You're going to die. And he said, I know I might die, but God's calling me there. That's a baller right there. Most of us are not living that life, right? We're like, it's, it's hot. It's cold in there. We don't go to that church anymore, right? And so he, he, he writes this, right? Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I love this part, this one line. He says, the Lord is near. That's important. I'm valuable, right? Because God loves me. And here's another, here's another thought. And the Lord is always what? That's important for some of you. The Lord is near. He's not, he hasn't forgotten you. He's not surprised. He's not shook. He's not afraid. He's not like, whoo, I'm going to go take care of something easier, right? The Lord is near. He's near. That, that's, that's what he says. He's, I'm in prison. I'm going to be beheaded. Um, I don't know what my future holds. I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this place. I'm going to remind myself the Lord is near. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Here's what you're going to do. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Here's what happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's saying. You can't have the peace without the presenting. Some of you holding on, you hold on. I can't control this, but I'm going to hold on and try to control it and try to make the situation. And sometimes God allows you to go through situations that are outside of your control so that he can show you that he's in control. Every person I meet, they want big faith, but they don't want to go through the storm. Right? They want a testimony. You know what they don't want? A test. Sometimes you go through things that are bigger in your life. You get a report from a doctor that's bigger than you. You get a situation arise in your life that you don't have the, you ever, you ever get something you just don't have the answer? What I found is the more and the longer that you follow God and you try to do what he's called you to do, the more that you realize a lot of times you're in situations that are bigger than you. In every situation, instead of freaking out, instead of being afraid, instead of telling everybody else about it, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to present my request to God. I'm going to give my prayer to God and my petition to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is going to guide me. What does he say to do? Real simple. 
Prayer and praise should be a consistent part of your life. Prayer for most Christians is the last ditch effort. I guess I should pray. Prayer should be your first line of defense in every situation. What if every time you got in a situation that was a little bit bigger than you, you said, God, I need your help this week. That's what prayer says. God, I know you're bigger than me. God, I know you're better than me. And God, I know you're in control. And you know what else prayer does? Prayer not only changes the heart of God and says you're better than me, bigger than me. Prayer changes you. Did you know that? They did a study years ago. And uh, if you pray 12 minutes a day for eight weeks straight, it changes your mind. So much so that if you were to go into a CAT scan in the beginning and at the end, scientifically, medically, they would recognize it. By prayer and petition. You're going to pray, and here's the second thing you're going to do. You're going to get your praise on. You ever notice when you come into church that it's really hard to be stressed out? You know why? Because hopefully your affections and your attentions and your adoration is directed towards the one who's in control. Prayer says, I need you. Praise says, I trust that you're in control. Praise. So let, let me just teach you a couple things that we learned years ago that I didn't make up but have always stuck with me. Things that, like little one-liners that I say to myself all the time. Here they are. The more you pray, the less you'll panic. The more you pray, I promise you, the less you'll panic. The more you worship, the less you'll worry. Put the worship music on. Crank it up. What's your favorite song? What's the spiritual banger you go to? Crank it. You're going to pray, I'm going to give this to God, I'm going to petition you, I know you're in control, and then I'm going to praise you because I can trust you, and I'm going to walk in freedom. Let me just give you one more thought. Number three, first you're going to give, you're going to do what he commands you. Second, you're going to let go of control, you're going to give him what you can't control. And number three, no matter what happens, you're going to commit to trust God. Here, here's, here's spiritual immaturity. Um, God... I'm going to interpret what I'm going through through my own understanding. That's spiritual immaturity. Because sometimes you uh, worry about something. Let me just be honest with you. You worry about something that actually comes true. <laughs> like this isn't such a naive message where it's like, okay, we just won't worry and it'll be fine. And sometimes that's true. You give it to God and uh, you trust him and he still allows you to go through it. And this is one of those moments where a lot of spiritually immature believers struggle. They'll go, I just don't understand what God's doing. I don't understand him. I don't understand why he did that. I just don't see his goodness. I, just, I'm, I, don't, I can't comprehend what he's going to do. And it's in those moments when you know the truth of Scripture, you know um, just because something feels bad to you doesn't mean it's bad for you. In fact, some of the best moments of your kids' lives are going to be through discipline and, and moments that feel painful in the moment because you have a greater purpose for their life in the future. And so you begin to understand that about God. God, you take things away from me. God, you close relationships up. God, God, you, 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 you close doors up because God, you're a good God. And so instead of interpreting what you go through and then saying, okay, I'm gonna interpret this, then I'm gonna see God. I'm gonna interpret everything that I go through in the context of who God is, his character, his goodness, and his grace. And when I understand that, I'll understand everything in my life I can commit to trust him because he's only ever been good to me. In fact, sometimes you got to go back, right? Sometimes when you get all stressed out, you got to go back and you got to remind yourself, God was good here. I do this all the time. God did that there. God introduced me to Leah there. 
God helped me get through that moment there. God, God healed me here. God did this in my family here. So I'm all stressed out in this moment. I got to go, God hasn't gotten me this far to only get me this far. So in all of your ways, you're going to commit to trust him. Even when he doesn't perform the way you want him to perform. He's God. You're not. You can't, you wouldn't do a good job of being God over your own life. You can't even figure out yourself. He's God. You're not. Everybody say, he's God. I'm not. It feels good. He's in control. I'm not. I can trust him. I remember years ago, um, I had one of those moments where there was a, a worry that I had that came to pass. It was another dream. And I'm not a dreamer, so don't, some of you are like, oh, you're a dreamer. I'm like, nom, nom. I usually, I just go to bed, I snore, and I wake up, right? And my wife tells me, can you stop? And I'm like, I'm sleeping, right? Take it up with God. <laughs> and so, uh, but I dream from time to time. And years ago, I was a new pastor. And so let me just build a, build a context for you. New pastor, young in my faith of leadership, young, young, like even young in my faith at this point. And uh, took us years to get traction as a church. We spent three years in my parents' upstairs youth room as a church. It felt like we were living in my parents' basement and taken from them. And then we got a building given to us. And we, we spent probably six months there trying to figure out how we, what we were going to be, what kind of church. And then people started coming that we actually liked. It was really cool. Because when you start a church, let me just, can I just be honest with you? There are all sorts of weirdos coming to start a church, right? It's like when you turn a bug light on at your house, right? I'm just being honest with you. And you love them, but you don't want to hang out with them. You know what I'm talking about? And so like, are you going to do any events? You're like, no, right? We're going to see you Sunday and that is it, right? And so, but then you start doing church and people start coming, younger families. You're like, oh, I like the, I want to do life with these people. And so uh, when that happens, you want to keep everybody. As a young pastor, every person comes, they're all a part of your church forever. You're a family. You're going to have mansions in heaven on the same road by each other. It's going to be incredible, right? And so you love people. So I had this one, this one couple come uh, this one time with, with other families, and they got really involved, really involved. And I started having this dream about them. And this dream was just a conversation I was going to have with the, with, the, with the husband and him telling me we're leaving the church. Just real simple. We're leaving the church. You know, this and this and this we don't like. And it's pretty similar, you know, conversation you have many times with people in, in the life of being a pastor. And we're leaving the church. And, you know, sometimes you leave on good terms. Sometimes it's on bad terms. And in this dream, it was on good terms. But, 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 but in my dream, when I wake up and I would have it, I'd be like, no. I'm not leaving. This can't happen. Like, I like these people. They can't leave. And so, so I, I would just, you know, I would just kind of go on with life. And I had this deep worry and this insecurity, but they kept staying. And then the dream would pop up again. And then I'd be freaked out again. And then the dream would pop up again. And, the dream, and by, by the fifth time, I remember, I woke up and uh, I made a list of people that God could take instead of them. <laughs> but I'll give you two for the price of one, God. You can have this person. You can't take them. <laughs> Very real conversations. Just leave them alone. And wouldn't you know it, a couple more weeks passed and my phone, my phone rang and his number was, we were, we were as close as having each other's numbers in our phones. You know what I'm talking about? And so, like, you don't give your number to everybody. And so, and he called, I saw his number and I picked it up. I said, and I already knew what was coming because I, I, God had prepared me for it. And they left. And I remember after they left, I was so hurt. I wasn't even hurt by them. I was just like, really, God, I gave you names? 
couldn't. And, and I remember I just, it was, like, it was like 10 years ago. And in that moment, I just, you're, you're insecure and you don't realize this Jesus church. And the Bible promises that he'll build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. He doesn't need people to build his church. You begin to realize there's nobody at this church, myself included, that is so necessary that God, if they leave, God can't do it. We get to be a part of it. And 10 years have, been, have gone down. And it's not like God took them away and our church grew, but it was like you just learned a lesson. In every moment, even when God doesn't do what you want him to do, trust him. In fact, that's what it says in Scripture. I love it. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he'll make your path straight. What a promise. What are you going to do? I'm going to do what God's commanded me to do. That's my first step of getting rid of worry. I'm going to give to God what I can't control. And then in every moment, no matter what the outcome is, I'm going to commit to trust in him. He's good. You're valuable. He's in control. He's never not good. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He's got a plan. I got to remind myself, God's got a plan. I'm just going to follow him. In all my ways, I'm going to submit to him. Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over our houses? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to read you something. Um, that I've gone back to a few times in my life. I don't think I'm a chronic worrier. I think I, this is one of those areas that I don't struggle in as much as others. We talked about being impatient. I'd say that's me. But in this area, I feel like I've seen the goodness of God so many times in my life that it's easy for me to remind myself God did this, and if he did it then, he'll do it again. But I still, in moments of my life, have little moments where I'm like, okay, I don't know if you can do this, God. Are you watching, God? And I go back to this one statement Christine Kane made years ago. I, 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 I heard this and I read this actually uh, a few times and I wrote it down in my notes and I wrote it in my, my notebook and I've preached it before and I, I consistently go back to it if I'm ever struggling. I'll close my eyes, just like you are. Some of you deeply struggle with worry. And here's what she reminded me of in that moment that I constantly want to remind myself. She said, God is working things out for you today. I love that. God is at work. She said, heaven is having conversations about you right now. Angels have been assigned to your life. So you can relax and be at peace in God's presence and his promises. And anytime I read that, I visualize that. God's in control. They've already got it figured out. People outside the realm of my expertise, they see the whole plan, they got it figured out. God has assigned to me what I need for today. So today, I can live at peace and I can have that comfort knowing that I can trust in God's promises and I can be in His presence. Some of you in this place, you are uh, in, in one of two areas. First one, you, you, you know exactly what God is telling you to do, and you haven't done it. You haven't done it, and you're worried. 
And it's the gracious love of God that continues to come back to you and knock at your heart one more time. Say, make that decision. We, we got somewhere to go. We got places to be. We got relationships to have. We got marriages to, to we, we got stuff in your future, but we can't get to your future if you won't let go of your past. So some of you, it's a very real decision. Financially, relationally, family-wise, it's a very real, you know, you already know what he's commanded you to do. Some of you, it's reevaluating your schedule. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something. So for you, you're gonna pray. Bible says that you need to have spiritual eyes and ears to hear and see, but then you need to have the hands, the hands that are willing to move, right? Uh, Bible calls them harvest hands. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. You'll get to work. Get your hands dirty. Get your feet moving. You can do what God's called you to do right now. You're not going to waste one more moment. There's others of you that you truthfully, you have something in your life that's bigger than yourself. And you're, when I start praying, I just want you to open up your hands. I want you to vision that that thing in your life that you constantly struggle with, and I just want you to give it to God. The Bible says through prayer and petition to present it to God in the peace of God, which is outside our understanding, will guide our hearts and our minds. So you're just going to give it to God when I start praying. Some of you, uh, there's, a very, there's a very much deeper question, need. And that, that question is, when I said, are you valuable? It was hard for you to even answer that. In fact, when I said, are you valuable? Do you believe that? Emotionally, it was, it was, you were stirred. Because you've never felt that. You, you, you try to hide it. You try to hide it through masculinity and, and humor and um, relationships and accomplishments. But the truth is, you have never, ever felt that you're valuable, you're seen, you're loved, you're cared for. You've always tried to be in the mindset of performing to get somebody's attention. And so even when I tell you that God's eyes are on you, that's hard for you to understand. And I want you to comprehend the message of God. That you're so valuable that God sent his one and only begotten son to this earth. Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins in your place. That when you brought absolutely no value the Bible says even our best are filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. And you bring absolutely nothing to God of value, but he gives everything of value back to you. He laid down his life for you to show you how much he loves you. The Bible says while you were a sinner, that Christ Jesus was dying on a cross for your sins. He answers the call. Clearly, you're valuable. You have purpose. You have meaning. There's a reason you're on this earth. And I think when you understand that, I think it changes everything. You can see it. You ever coach kids, you can see, see it in the life of a kid when they began to see, man, I got, I got a part of this team. I'm supposed to be here. I never knew that before. You can see it in their eyes. You can feel it in their demeanor. Same thing happens to a human. When you begin to realize there's a God that loves you, cares for you, is involved in your life, has a purpose and plan for you, everything changes. You begin to become secure where you struggle with insecurity. You begin to live in peace where you've always lived in fear. You begin to have joy 
instead of living your life in a constant state of depression. You're valuable. I know it because Jesus died for you. And when he died for you, he did it because he wanted to have a relationship with you. He wanted you to know him, to hear from him, to be guided by him and directed by him. The Bible calls this the gift of salvation. What does it say? All sin and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death and hell, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For anyone who calls on him shall be saved. If you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he would come into your life. He'll forgive you, heal you, and make you whole. So I want to start there. I don't know Christ, but I need to. I need him to forgive me, heal me, and make me whole. What do you do? The Bible says you humble yourself before God. That's you saying, I can't do it on my own anymore, and he will lift you up. You're bigger than me, and I need you. Jesus Christ, come into my life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we close out this, this experience, if I've been preaching and you know I'm speaking to you, you just, you don't even know how, but you know the words that I have been saying, it's like they're coming right into your very spirit and your soul. Listen, that's not me. There's nothing significant about the messenger. What's significant is the message. The message is filled with life and hope. So the spirit of God right now is speaking to you. The Bible says he's knocking at the door of your heart. He's reached his hands out to you, but you have a responsibility. Your responsibility is to say, yes, Jesus Christ, I need you. Would you forgive me and make me whole? So if I'm speaking to you right now, all over our houses as we get ready to close, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. I'm tired of worry. I'm tired of stress. I'm tired of anxiety. I'm tired of not thinking I'm valuable. I'm tired of not knowing how, who to trust. Today I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you as we close. I want you to do one thing for me as, as we pray together. I want you to remember this moment. I want you to start this moment with a little, little courage and a little boldness. So I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Nobody's looking around, but if you need to know Jesus Christ, you don't know him right now, but you know you need to. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Front to back, side to side. I don't know Christ, but I need to. Everybody head bowed and eyes closed. That's me. I don't know Christ. Would you just put your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, pastor, that's me. I don't know Christ, but I need to. I see hands over here. I see a hand back here. I see a hand up there. Yes. Another hand. If you're in Montgomeryville, I don't know Christ, but I need to, but you just keep your hand held high. All over this house, let's pray together. Here's what I want you to do. Sometimes when you, when you, when you talk about Jesus and salvation, you forget how good he's been to you. Like it's, you take it, take it for granted. So even when we pray this prayer, you forget what it was like to come into this place and not have hope and all of a sudden feel hope. You forget what it feels like to come into this place and feel broken beyond repair and meet the one who can restore you. So we're gonna pray together. Let us never get tired of thinking about Jesus, of who he is, of what he did for us, of how he saved us and set us free. All over our houses, would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus Christ, today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Jesus, 
Today, I put my faith in you. I believe you rose from the dead. And because of you, I can be changed. I'm a brand new person. Today, I'm filled with peace. I'm filled with joy. And I'm filled with purpose. And as we celebrate that fact all over this place, if, if, if you're here and you need to do something, there's something God's calling you to, here's what we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, release a sense of courage and boldness all over this place. God, everything hinges on our willingness to obey you. The greatest miracles in our life come after obedience. So Lord, whatever you're calling us to do, Lord, we're going to step out and we're going to follow you. And we're going to leave the results in your hands. That, that's, that's one of the, the attributes of a worry-free life. We're going to do what you call us to do, and then we're going to leave the results in your hands. There's others of us that we're dealing with something that's bigger than us, and we've been holding on to it and controlling it and, and trying to figure it out on our own and not trusting you. And so right now, in, 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 a, in a moment in a, of humility and submission, we're just going to cast our cares on you. God, we need your help. God, the Bible says you're ever-present help in a time of need. The Bible says that you can overcome, that you're good, that you're in control. And Lord, I pray right now that for those that have been wavering in their faith, that they're just going to recommit, trust you. We're not, we're not going to interpret what we're going through, uh, through our own understanding and our own knowledge. But in everything we do, we're going to trust in you. We're going to acknowledge you. And the Bible says you will set our path straight. So we thank you for that promise. We thank you for your word. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for grace. And we thank you for mercy. In Jesus' name we pray all over our houses. Let's shout amen one more time. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.